0: We are finishing, or actually continuing, we're not finishing up our um, Best Summer Ever series that we've been going through this summer. Um, and we've talked about some different things, you know, about the best of things, like the best friend, and that Jesus uh, calls us friend, and he models what a, a friendship is supposed to look like. And we talked about that. And then we talked about the best gift ever, that Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send you a helper as I go, and that was the Holy Spirit, and that's the best gift that we could ever receive. And so I'm kind of continuing on that best theme and we'll be talking today about the best adventure ever, and what it means to be an adventure with Jesus, when Jesus calls us uh, to go on an adventure with him. Um, but before I start, you know, as the summer's kind of winding down. I know there's some youth out there, some kids out there, and some of y'all are starting school this week, and that's not a happy time. Summer is actually winding down. I know some of our Bibb County teachers and administrators went back to school last week. And so I wanted to mention this. Uh, um, we, next Sunday... Uh, in this service and the other two traditional services as well, we're going to have a time of prayer for our teachers and administrators. So if you could be here and let us pray over you for the 2019 and 20 school year, um, or if you have some friends that are teachers or administrators or whatever, invite them to come and be a part of that because we we want y'all to start the year off right. Uh, We'll be praying for y'all throughout the year, but we wanted to have a special time next week, next Sunday in the services where we're lifting y'all up in prayer. So anyway, so we're talking about adventures. Hopefully a lot of y'all have had some adventures this summer um, with your family or vacations and and trips because the difference in a vacation and an adventure is a vacation is something that's kind of planned and goes as planned. An adventure is something that we take part in that's exciting and unusual and some unexpected stuff happens, right? For example, I'll give you an adventure uh, I went on. One of the, the fun things we get to do in youth ministry is go whitewater rafting. And we go about every year, every other year, And about five or six years ago, maybe a little bit longer, uh, we used to do a trip called fallout. We did it in the fall, and it was an outreach event, so clever fallout. And then plus you fall out of a boat sometimes. And so we did this trip in late September, and it was cold. And we we went to the Ocoee River up in Tennessee. And if you've ever been there, that river is fun. It's like some class four and five rapids. They're not like terribly intense, but they're pretty intense. And so we're going, and I'm with my small group guys at the time, the group I was leading, which is a bunch of 10th grade guys. And so we go up to the outfitter, and if you've ever been rafting, you know you get in a bus, and they drive you up to the, the end post or whatever. And you get out, and you kind of get in groups of six. So it was me and five 10th grade guys. And we're getting out, and you know, stereotypical moment coming here. So rafting guides kind of have this look about them. Right? And so we get out, and I'm trying to figure out which our guide is. And this guy that they point us to, I can't remember his name. We'll just call him Thor. Thor was like the biggest human being I've ever seen. Just cut, just strong, looked like a rafting guide. He's one of those people, if you met him, you wouldn't say, and you know, he said, I'm a rafting guide. You'd be like, I figured. You know, but that, Just one of those guys. But great super guy, but he looked like one of those people that, you know, marine boot camp was just something he would do on the weekends for fun. And so I'm like, man, this is going to be interesting. Then they tell us, this is our last trip of the season. Yeah, you know, this is literally the last time we're going down the river this year. So we're going to have some fun. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I've been down this river before. It's pretty fun without what you're talking about. But uh, So we're going down, and everything's going well. And so we're getting towards the end, and there's two pretty intense rapids at the very end of the Okoe River. One's called Powerhouse. I can't remember the other one. And they're both fours or five, class fours or fives. And so you can kind of hear them before you can see them. And so we're coming up on it, and Thor kind of gives us this challenge. He's like, we're almost at the end, guys last run of the season. There's two ways to run through these last rapids. We can go the man way, or we can go the little girl way. And I'm like, little girl way for me. You know, I'm, I'm good with the little girl way. I am perfect with that. Let's do that. But I got outvoted five to one because 10th grade guys, right? And so we're coming to the top of the rapid, flying down the river, and old Thor digs in his paddle, turns the boat completely sideways, and we go flying. I don't mean like dump out. I mean Kicking, throwing paddles. We probably lost some shoes. It was fun, I guess. I don't know. We survived. It took us about 10 minutes to get back in the boat, and everybody's laughing and high fiving. And I'm like, that was an adventure. That was not what I was expecting. It was fun. Then, rafting several times, that's the trip I remember most of all because it had an unexpected ending, right? There was just something I didn't, I mean, we've gone through the rapids before and they've been great, but that one sticks out at me because it was not what I was expecting when I got on the boat. I don't want to do it again that way necessarily, but it was, it was something awesome. Now, last year at this time, there, somebody else had an awesome adventure in our church. If you all know Shelly Martin, Shelly uh, attends our traditional services, sings in the choir. But this time last year, Shelly was about two-thirds or three-quarters of the way through with her Appalachian Trail through hike. And if you don't know what that means, she started walking or hiking in Georgia and walked all the way to Maine. And so it's like 2,200 miles that she walked. And it was an amazing thing, and she was you know, posting stuff on Instagram and emailing and things like that, and so we could keep up with her adventure, and that's what it was. I mean, she was waking up sometimes in 10-degree you know, temperature with the snow, and sometimes it was 100 degrees, you know, elevation changes, wildlife. There's just never knew what was going to happen day to day. And so it was this awesome adventure that we we're kind of keeping up with, and some of y'all may have too. But the thing with adventures and other people's adventures is sometimes we say, you know what, it's time for my adventure. I want to have my own adventure. I want to have my own time. And that's what Jesus invites us to. Jesus invites every one of us to join him on an adventure, and they're all going to be different. Every one of the adventures with Jesus, everybody in this room will have a different adventure because Jesus has a different plan for all of us. And so how do we join Jesus in this adventure, right? It's the same way that Jesus invited the disciples 2,000 years ago. He gave them a two-part invitation. He said, come and follow me. Right? That's what he tells us. In in Matthew and Mark, that story is told, and it's kind of some backstory on Matthew and Mark. If you are a new Christian or just new to faith, period, and you open your Bible and you start at Matthew or even Mark more specifically, because Mark, all this happens in chapter one, all you know about Jesus from reading uh, before he calls the disciples is that Jesus was born, he was tempted, he was baptized, and then he was tempted. And then he goes and he's walking down the, by the Sea of Galilee and he sees these four guys and he's like, come follow me. And they drop everything and they do that. I don't know about you, but that's kind of weird. I mean, that like, that's, goes against everything we tell our children. You know, if you see a stranger walk up, because that's what it implies. There's this guy they don't know, walk up and hey, come follow me. And they're like, because the disciples, most of them were teenagers at the time. are like, come follow me. And you're okay, go ahead. You know, that goes against everything we tell our kids right? And so it's a little strange to hear that story. But in the book of Luke, he kind of like gives us more backstory. And the reason for that is Matthew and Mark were written to more of a Jewish audience. They knew who Jesus was. They knew he was the Messiah. They knew kind of what his backstory was. But Luke was writing to a Gentile audience. And so he gave a little more backstory. And so we're not going to look at all these scriptures, but there's the stuff in in Luke chapter three and four that are leading up to what we're going to read, where Luke is telling us that, you know, Jesus went to the temple when he was 12 years old, and he spoke with authority, and people were amazed at his 12-year-old speaking, and how he was so smart and knowledgeable of the word. And then it tells us that he was already out, and he had gone, and he had unrolled the scroll, and he said, you know, this is what the the prophet Isaiah said, and I'm here to fulfill this today. And so he had kind of had this following. People knew who he was in the area. His reputation had spread. He'd been healing people. He'd been casting out demons, and people knew who he was. And so that's kind of where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 5, and it'll be on the screen. I'm going to read it. It says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. So it tells us right there, great crowds pressed in on him. There's people following him. So he was known in the region. Then he noticed two empty boats at water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And here comes the next indication that these guys knew who he was. Simon replied, Master. And you don't just call somebody master unless you know about their reputation. He said, We worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. Now understand, these guys are professional fishermen. And here comes Jesus, a guy that they've heard about, walking up and saying hey, guys, go out a little bit farther and drop your nets again. And they they give a a good answer. I mean, a lot of people might have been like, Nah, we've already done that all night. But but Simon knows who he is, Peter knows who he is, and says, because you say so, we'll go do that. We're going to trust you, and we'll go do that. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, "Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man." For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as, they, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, "Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people." And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So that gives us a little more backstory. When it was, come and follow me, but it's a little more backstory of who they knew who Jesus was. And more importantly, Jesus went to them, right? Went to where they are in their brokenness. They're, they've been fishing all night, didn't catch a thing. Jesus went to where they were in, in their neighborhood and called them out. You know, a lot of times you hear this, the saying when somebody changes their life, well, they found Jesus or I found Jesus. But what we, we need to understand is Jesus is the one finding us, right? We just accept the invitation. When Jesus says, come, follow me, what he's asking us is come to me. Know who I am. I'm, I'm here with you. I'm inviting you to be part of of, of who I'm calling you to be. And the next thing he asks is to follow him. And that's where the action comes into place, right? Because the the coming to Jesus is knowing who Jesus is, accepting who Jesus is, but then he says, follow me. And think about it this way. If you decide you want to get in shape, right? You decide it's time to get in shape. I'm going to join a gym. We'll just use Planet Fitness, for example. Planet Fitness running their $10 special, and you're like, I can do that $10 a month, no money down, We'll get in shape, you're we'll gonna get buff, whatever. And so you go and you go to Planet Fitness and you sign the little contract and they take your picture and give you the little key fob and now you're a member of the gym. And then you go home and a month later you're still in the same shape you were in before, right? You don't get in shape until you actually go and step on the treadmill or the elliptical or start lifting the weights, right? Joining the gym is the first step. Actually doing the work is where the action happens, where the adventure begins, so to speak. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, Come to me, now follow me, right, wherever we go. Now, I'm not sure if the disciples knew what they were getting into when they accepted this invitation, and sometimes we don't either, right? And, and here's the thing about the disciples they saw some not so crazy things sometimes. They saw, you know, they probably sat around campfires a lot of times at night just talking about the day. They probably did some crowd control a lot of the time when Jesus was speaking, but they also saw a lot of stuff a lot of stuff that we would deem as like nuts or crazy or whatever that were just unexplainable that Jesus did and, and a couple of those things just happened in one night for example one night and day when, when they were had, like had been Jesus had been speaking he said let's go on the other side of the, of the lake and so they got in the boat and they're going across the water and Jesus has decided he's tired so he goes and takes a nap I think this is in Luke chapter 8 if you're interested to read it later but um, Jesus goes and takes a nap and the storm comes up violent storm comes up and now think about how violent the storm must be if fishermen not all of them are fishermen but a lot of them are fishermen if they're scared right? right they're really worried about what's happening and so they go and they're freaking out with the storm and they go wake Jesus up and Jesus does his Jesus thing just like <laughs> he rebukes the wind and, and water which I don't know what I mean I don't that's just kind of like stop wind and rain stop weather, you know, and it just calms down. And Jesus can do that. And they're amazed that Jesus has this authority. But here's the thing. Then they're back on course to where Jesus wanted them to go. And they're going to a place. We all know in every town in America and in the world, probably, there's places you just don't go, right? It's like if you find yourself there, you're like, ooh, I'm in trouble. And that's where they're headed. They're headed to this place where these guys are famous for, known for being demon-possessed, and not just a little demon-possessed. They have, like, lots of demons with them, inside of them. And they are, they're like, bound up all the time, but then they couldn't be bound anymore because they'd break the chains, literal chains, they would break them open, and the people couldn't contain these people anymore. And these guys, the Bible tells us, these guys that were so demon-possessed, all they would do all day is scream all night, shriek all night, take sharp stones and cut themselves, because that's the pain they were living in. And that's where they're heading. Now, the disciples probably knew that's where we're going. And they're probably like, why are we going here? This is what we're not supposed to be doing. This is the place we're not supposed to be going. But that's where Jesus was leading them to go. And that's where they went. And so they land on the, on the water or on the shore. And, and as soon as they do, one of the, the demon possessed guys comes running over. And he's just running over to Jesus. He's like, what are you doing here, son of man? Just as loud as he can. Did you come here to torture us before our appointed time? It was the demon speaking through the man. And Jesus just calmly casts out the demons. And you probably know the story. He throws them into the pigs, and the pigs uh, run off into the water and drown. But now what you have is these guys that were possessed by demons that are now healed. And he tells them, he says, get up and go tell everybody about what I've done for you. And so these guys went from demon-possessed, crazy men that everybody was scared of, to missionaries, just like that. Can you imagine being the disciples and seeing that? I mean, he just calmed the storm and now he goes to the darkest place that you can imagine going and he heals these people so the disciples got to see some crazy crazy stuff to be part of that and that's what Jesus is inviting us to be part of as well he's inviting us to go to places that we never thought we would go to he's inviting us to maybe he might just be inviting us to do things that we're comfortable with but we don't know and that's part of the great thing about joining the adventure that Jesus calls us to right now, he might, like I said, he might be saying, I want you to join a Bible study. You know, I just want you to follow me into this Bible study. Follow me into this Sunday school class. Follow me into this small group, something that's kind of in our comfort zone. But then he might stretch you a little bit farther. Then he might say, well, how about let's go over here. Uh, one of the greatest things uh, we get to do every year in youth ministry, and now our church is starting to do adult trips, is we go to Tijuana, Mexico, and serve. Now, Tijuana has a bad reputation. I mean, it's one of the most dangerous cities in the world, and they've earned that reputation. But we work with a ministry called Spectrum Ministries. And one of the things they do is they go into the Tijuana dump. And that's not a nickname for some club. That is the literal landfill in Tijuana. It is trash on trash on trash. It smells like you can imagine. And it is full of people that live there and work there. And they go through the the trash all day looking for something valuable every day. And it's kind of weird for us. We're like, why would anybody want to go there? Because that's where Jesus led Spectrum Ministries. That's where Jesus is leading them to go. There's a guy named Carlos that kind of heads up that ministry. And we go and we hand out food and water. And because of the language barrier, you know, we can't really talk to a lot of people, but the Spectrum staff can. And they're sharing the gospel with these people and telling them, hey, Jesus loves you and there's a better way for you. And if you're interested, we'll, we'll take you out of this and get you into like a, a, a halfway house and we'll get you what you need, the help you need and minister to you and get you off in, in, into a better life. And they've had so much success with that. So many people have come out of the dump because it's a hard place to get out of because that's all they know, they have nothing. Can you imagine living in the dump? You have nothing to your name. And so Spectrum goes in that place and they, and they help them with that. They help them get out of that lifestyle. But people were like, why would you go to the dump? Because that's where Jesus is leading them. All right, Another one that our church is involved in is a ministry called Out of Darkness. And some of y'all may know about Out of Darkness. If you don't, um, let me just say this. Uh, slavery and human trafficking are a huge problem in this world. And, and if you, you think, okay, well, that's a global issue, it's actually not just a global issue. It's a national issue, it's a state issue, and it's a very much of a city issue. Macon, Georgia is a hotbed of human trafficking. We don't think about it sometimes, but it really is. And so Out of Darkness is this ministry that partners with the Dream Center in Atlanta, and they help go and they talk to girls that may be caught up in a lifestyle of prostitution or stripping or things like that, and try to help them understand there's a better way. There's a better life for you. Jesus loves you. And, and my wife is a, is a big part of that ministry, which is why it's so close to me. Um, and, and what they do is they literally go to the darkest places you can imagine. If you would have asked my wife 10 years ago, do you ever think you'll have a ministry in strip clubs? She'd be like, no way. Of course, That's, that's crazy. But that's what she does now. She goes to jails and visits people. She goes to some of the sketchiest hotels you can imagine, not by herself, but with other people. And they love on these girls, and they tell them about Jesus. And they tell them there's a better way for them. Why would you go to places like that? Because that's where Jesus goes. He wants to shine light in the darkness. And that's what he is calling us to do. That's an adventure. That's an unexpected thing in your life that he might be calling, calling you to. You know, we, our minds, when we give our life to Christ, sometimes our minds go, I'm, what if he calls me to be a missionary in the jungles of Africa? Cool. That'd be awesome. I don't know anybody that's ever done that. I know some people that have accepted the call to missions, but I don't know anybody that gave their life to Christ and immediately went and served in the jungles of Africa. But for some reason, we think Jesus is going to lead us someplace that we're not capable of being. And it's the exact opposite. If he's going to call you to it, then that means he thinks you're capable of doing it. So here's the thing. You might be thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. Or I, and you may be saying, you know, in the past I've talked about getting involved in ministries and things like that. And you haven't done it. And, and it's easy, the older I get, the, the more I realize how fast time actually passes. Right? I mean, we just talked about the summer just flew by. But, you know, sometimes we say, hey, I'm going to get involved in this ministry. I can't do it right now, but maybe in a few weeks I'll do it. And a few weeks turns into a few months or a few years. and next thing you know, it's been a few years and you haven't done anything. You know, I got, I got a Facebook message the other day saying, hey, you're invited to our 30th year or, uh, reunion for high school. And I was like, no, that's, that's funny. That's way off. And I did the math and I'm like, oh, that's right. Man, 30 years like that, you know? And I was like, this is how fast time goes, Right. Our daughter has moved out this week. She's in college and stuff, and her second year, she got her first apartment. And I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to be. I mean, it's that fast. We hear that, but it goes so fast because time just keeps moving, and Jesus keeps moving as well. When he says, follow me, he's not going to wait on us. He's not going to leave us. He's never going to leave us, but he's not going to wait on us. He's going to keep moving. And the thing with Jesus moving farther away is sometimes that voice gets a little bit quieter and quieter. And we can't really get to know what he wants us to do because we can't quite hear him because he's over there and where he called us to be. And we're staying here in our comfort zone. And the thing is, to be able to hear his voice better, you got to go where he is. And that's what he wants us to do. So I'm going to close with a story um, just as kind of an illustration. Years ago, um, probably about 10 years ago, my kids are 19 and 16 now, so they were probably about 6 and 9. Uh, Meredith and I made the decision when they're old enough to ride all the stuff at Disney, we're going to take our family Disney trip, and it was about that time. And we're terrible parents. I'll go ahead and tell you, we took them out of school to go to Disney. Sorry for you administrators. Um, but it was good because the lines were a lot shorter. So this was in like February, and Jake, my 16-year-old, who was about six at the time, has always just been fearless. He's always loved roller coasters and everything, and, and his his like extent of roller coaster riding was the Perry Fair and the Six Flags like Looney Tunes land or something. So he was like, he had high hopes for, six, for Disney. He was like, we're going to ride all these. He'd been researching them. Expedition Everest and uh, Animal Kingdom was one he had circled. And so that was a pretty big roller coaster. And so we're, we're at Disney, and, and before we went, we made the decision we were going to say yes. When they, if they ask us to do anything, we're saying yes. It's their trip. We want it to be a trip of a lifetime, memorable trip, adventure, whatever. And so we said, if they want to stay up till 4, we're going to say yes. If they want to eat 18 funnel cakes, that wouldn't be hard to do. I'd be all on board that. But if they wanted to do that, we would say yes. If they want to ride roller coasters all day, we're going to say yes. And so we're going, and we uh, the first one they wanted to go to was Animal Kingdom for the Everest ride. And so we're going, and we're walking, and Jake's all excited. Ansley's you know, excited, too, but not like Jake. And uh, so we're getting there, and as the closer we get to the ride, the, you can hear the screams, you can see the, the size. And Jake kind of slows up a little bit. And he's still walking. And I'm like, you all right? And he's like, yeah. You know? And so we're getting closer and we're getting closer. And as we get in line, in short line, because, again, we, you know, we went when nobody was really there. It's like a 10-minute wait. He's just staring. He's gotten silent. He's watching everything he can see. And so he's kind of gotten really, really, really quiet. And so, again, I'm like, you sure you're okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we get in line, and Meredith and Ansel are in front of us. And they, as far turn, and the gate opens, and Meredith and Ansley get on their little car, and we get behind them. And as soon as we step down into it, Jake's like, I can't do this. And so we walk through the other side, and the gate kind of shuts on Meredith and Ansley, sorry. And, uh, and Meredith kind of gives me this look as they're riding away, like, I hate you. And, uh, and I'm like, sorry. Yeah, and, and so they, they take off, and, and Jake's standing there. I say, you all right, buddy? And he's like, yeah. And I said, all right, well, let's walk down where they're going to come out, we'll meet them. And we walk about five steps, and he's like, All right, I'm ready to do it. And I was like, okay. And we said we're going to say yes. So the the ride comes around. Meredith and Ansley get off. And I look at Meredith, and I'm like, he wants to do it now. And Ansley's like, I want to do it again, too. So Meredith has to say yes. And so (laughs) we go back in line, get back in line, short line again. Jake's still scared, quiet. Get on. He actually sits down, pulls the thing down, whatever. Hands just squeezing, white knuckles. I mean, just, you know, I can tell he's scared to death. And, And whatever. I said, you all right? And he's like, Yeah, and so it takes off. He's quiet, and a few minutes into it, he's just screaming, having the time of his life. We loved it, absolutely loved it. We get off, and I think we did it like five or six more times until we finally convinced him, let's go somewhere else, please. But it was amazing. My point with this is going to the ride is okay, but the adventure doesn't begin until you actually take the ride. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do, to not just come to him. That's, That's the first step, but then to follow him wherever he leads. And we can't talk ourselves out of, of what it might lead to. He'll, he'll guide us where it needs to go. And it, it might be some places we never thought we'd ever go. But that's where the adventure is, right? If we just do the safe stuff, that's boring. I mean, that's just how it, you know, we could draw that up. God has a bigger plan and a bigger purpose for us. So I don't know what God's calling you to do. That's between you and God, because your adventure and my adventure are totally different. But if it may be a relationship to bend. It may be a Bible study to join. It may be a mission trip to be a part of. Whatever. My challenge for you today is join the adventure that Jesus is calling you to do. And, and pray and ask him, where do you want me to go? Where and Some of us, if we're honest, we know where we've been saying no. We know where we've been saying, mm, I'm just going to stay over here in the comfort zone while you go over there, Jesus. And Jesus is waiting on us to join him over there. And that's where the adventure begins.